Welcome back to the... Earn. What was I going to say? Name. Name the title? I'm going to start over. Welcome back to the Earn the Title podcast. It is our first episode of 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you had an amazing holiday. And I hope that you learned from our podcast, if you listened to the last episode, um, the proper way to set up your Christmas tree, which is not the day before. Although we had a listener uh, who's probably listening again, and he messaged us. He's like, well, this was part of our tradition. And to you, I say, you, um, you, you ruined... I don't know. You didn't ruin anything. You just proved us wrong. But other than you, I don't know that I've ever met anyone who said that their family tradition was to set up their Christmas tree the day before. But anyways, we are beyond the holidays. We tore ours down the day after because why live in Christmas longer than you need to? Would you agree? Our Christmas lights are still up on our house. Brings me joy every time I pull up to the house because I leave when it's dark and I get home when it's dark. See, we set up one little strand above our door, Mm. our front door, and um, and then we never turned them on. (laughs) That was really for Hayden. She was really excited, and then we never turned them on Mm. because um, 2020. That's all. That's the only reason I have that we did not set up Christmas lights this year is just 2020. I will say we'll we'll leave it behind. (laughs) We didn't have power for the last day or so, and driving up to the house last night to go to bed. I've never been more excited to have Christmas lights up past Christmas because it let me know there was power at our house wow. as we pulled up. Speaking of power, um, our teams lost their power. We we started this podcast. That was a um, great transition. <laughs> we started this podcast. I think one of the first things we ever talked about is my prediction that Russ was not only going to continue his hot streak, he was going to win MVP, uh, the Seahawks were going to go to 16-0, and he's going to throw over 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards. Okay, that was an exaggeration, but I thought it was going to happen. And yeah. uh, but here we are, both of us, members of the football, different football tribes, and yes. we were disappointed. Yeah. How are you feeling as a Patriots fan? I mean, I will you didn't say even, you didn't have hope this whole year. I, I mean, didn't. You guys, you guys were on your way down before you started. Yeah, there was a blip of hope. Cam played good like the first two or three games of the season, and then he, he just got COVID. Yeah, that, and then that took him out. Yeah, and then just kind of went full Cam went. Became the Cam, Cam. <laughs> became the Cam Newton that we knew, and it uh, it bummed me out. And so this is the first time since high school that the Patriots are not in the playoffs. Well, and I, I cannot compare, and I won't. I won't compare uh, right now, at least the Seahawks in our last, you know, nine years to what the Patriots have. But there, that's. I mean, that really is since two thousand and is it eleven. Uh, we've we've had a pretty dominant like run in terms of we're in the playoffs every year or winning record every year minus that one year where we kind of collapsed at the end but it was still a good year mm-hmm. and we missed the playoffs even though other teams with a worse record made it in and so we have not known a just terrible Seahawks team we've not known a terrible Russell Wilson and by by all means I mean Russ had a great year. Yeah. Um, when you step back and look at it, but the first half versus the second half, oh man, it's it's terrible. Yeah. It makes us feel. It makes me feel better about our decision to go to two services on <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday because we don't have to worry about the Hawks being in the Super Bowl. But oh, yeah, man, that's sad. <laughs> Maybe we can just pause and just have a moment of silence. Yeah. Let's have it right now. So. 
like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just bummed. And it's funny because I, I don't know what debates you saw when it comes to this kind of stuff, but it was like, uh, there's this one guy on my, my feed and he's always just like, he's a Seahawks fan and he hates the Hawks. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, we are your tribe, man. Why are you talking against us? Yeah. Like, why are you bashing your own? You know, yeah. come on, show some love. We still love Russ. It's Schottenheimer's fault. He got fired for it. So why are you blaming? <laughs> they had a mutual party. <laughs> they had a mutual. It's true. And I mean, a yeah, conscious uncoupling. It, it's funny though how in in football, like I don't know if you've had this. I'm sure you do. I mean, every time it's like it's funny. I'll see you or Mike uh, Lavway, who runs our security here, and he. I'll see him on a on a Sunday or a weekend after the Patriots have a they just have a bad loss and yeah. and he'll make fun of me. He's like, you know, this is the first time I've experienced this since I was a child. How about mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. And he'll throw it back at me. But it's so funny how tribal people get in football, right? Yeah. And how they make fun of people, um, or they just it's almost like there's an air of like I'm judging the character of who you are based on the team that you have nothing to do with their wins or losses. Like I would love to say that I'm a great fan and my, the vibes and prayers I send to God about Russell Wilson and the Seahawks that they mean something. But I think God, those are the kind of prayers that God just laughs at. Yeah. He's like, bro, you have nothing to do with this. They either suck or they're amazing. And that is all on their own. Yeah. You experienced that at all? Yeah. Well, (laughs) we were talking before we hit record, like the, uh, the Falcons Super Bowl when we were down 28 to three, in the fourth quarter, I, I was literally getting text messages from people like assaulting my character oh, man. and making fun of me. And I remember not responding to any of them for the whole game and we come back and win. And I, um, I just text all of them. It feels good to be a champion dot, dot, dot again. <laughs> and it felt so good. But yeah, like I remember that Sunday, I had people walking into church and saying, like, I hope Tom Brady breaks his leg. Like, I hope, like, just all this stuff. And it's like, I hate Tom Brady. I hate you. You're a Patriots fan. Like, you live in Seattle now. You need to be a Seahawks fan. It's like, dude, I was raised a Patriots fan. Like, I didn't even choose into it. I was raised a Pats fan. I didn't choose it. It chose me. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I know I'm a winner because (laughs) I'm I'm a fan of a winning team. Well, it's fun. And even still, like, as hostile as people can get. Uh, you can laugh about it in sports, yeah. right? Because it's like we could make fun of it. We could even get in yelling matches. It was always so fun to watch first take yeah. with with uh, with Stephen A. Smith and what's his face, and they would yell at each other. I mean, I'm talking hate level. Mm-hmm. And but you step away from that, and you can still smile about it because it's sports. Yeah. What we don't want to see tribal. Um, I would call it toxic tribalism. We've talked a bit about this. We don't want to see this kind of toxic tribalism when it's not sports. Yeah. When it comes to the world that we're in, I mean, we've had a wild week, right? It yeah. is no mis- I mean, no matter where in the nation or even the world, I've been texting with some of my Canadian friends. Um, that doesn't count you because you're not Canadian anymore. But <laughs> I'm half um, Canadian. Who are like, <laughs> like, yo, are you guys okay up there? Like, yeah. are you okay down there? Like, do you need, do you need like just a back massage or something to just relieve the stress? What's going on in your nation? No matter where you are and what spectrums in your life that you live in, it has been a wild week. And I would say if we were to assess this and we're, we're not trying to be political commentators or anything, but when you look at that, what, what you saw in many different spaces, and we've seen this over the last few years in, in plenty of spaces in our world, um, but what we saw on display this last week was was a, a tribalism that got out of hand. Yeah. It was a tribalism that became toxic and it began to show 
its true colors. Yeah. And I'm, I'm cool with someone being so wrong about who the MVP is mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, that passes away and we can laugh about it. I'm not okay when someone's tribal mentality and beliefs, even if they know them to be true, become something that causes them to see another tribe and say, we've got to conquer this tribe. Yeah. That's where it becomes toxic and where it begins to eat itself. And it never actually produces any kind of the things that we want to see in the church and the body of Christ, in the world, in our nation, in our politics today. Yeah. And we can say, can't we just have unity? But in actuality, it's within our own tribes that we are not holding ourselves accountable to, to really see what we say that we want to see. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's such a broad topic. And I think even the people that will wave the flag and say, we want unity. Don't, can't we just have unity? I find it so interesting that like it's unity on, on my terms. And, and I do think I, 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 I find it, I find it so complex, right? That, Oh, we were talking about this before we hit record that we, we seem to have lost the ability to look at each other and see a human with a name, but rather we see a person with a belief. Mm. And if I can dehumanize a human with a name, then I'll attack a person with a belief. Right. Yeah. And, or, I, or you could flip it and say, this isn't a word, but you'll know what I mean. You beliefatize a human. Yeah. That's a funny word. Yeah. You beliefatize a human, meaning you get to now categorize them. Yeah, and, it, and in the same way it dehumanizes. Yeah, and I, I, I think when when I'm not remembering and focused on the fact that I'm part of the human family first, and that what I bring mm-hmm. to the table, and and what my actions and what I hold most dear to me, and the things that I'm willing to get up and fight for, if I'm perpetuating a belief and not the betterment of humanity, mm. then I think I got to question my tribe. I, I think if, if I'm so concerned about a set of beliefs being perpetuated, as opposed to doing good and healing all, and showing deep and altruistic concern for the humans that I rub shoulders with, then mm. I, I, I think we've reached a point where I, I think we, it's scriptural. I think it's adultery. I, I think I think mm-hmm. when we perpetuate beliefs and ultimately if, we, if we're being really honest the the fight for a set of beliefs instead of humanity is about control yeah you are hard-pressed to find people that really truly care deeply for humanity that feel the need to also control humanity that 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 disposition is to serve not to control and so we have conflicting tribes that are now committed to control rather than serving the other and, and making the world a better place. And yeah. I, think, I think the only way that I can do that is if I, if I dehumanize them and make them their beliefs and not their humanity. Yeah, well, and, it, and it's what some people who would be critici- critis- criticisms, uh, critical of this reality, they'd say, well, you know, but my tribe, we're right. Mm-hmm. We've landed at the right opinion. And, and perhaps that's actually entirely, entirely irrelevant. Like I would actually venture to say that whether or not you are right is actually doesn't matter so much as you are in a tribe. And honestly, over time, truth tends to prove itself to be true 
or not. So what works will tend to work. Mm-hmm. It's that idea of inertia, right? Uh, a moving object tends to continue to move. Yeah. And a still object tends to stay still. Uh, there's no inertia. And that, that, uh, that principle applies here. Mm-hmm. And truth will eventually win itself out. But oftentimes what we do is we actually diminish the truth by trying to fight for it. Mm-hmm. We diminish the validity of, of, of a belief or a way of life by saying that we need to actually conquer with this way. Because if other people don't live according to this truth, then they're, we might say they're missing out. And that might be true. But top, toxic tribalism is when we begin to look at our own way, say the world needs this. We go outside of our tribe, ignoring and bypassing the realities of somebody else's tribe. And I'm using that word tribe loosely because it works its way into sports. But all the way up to politics, it's in the church. You and I are in the church world where in the church, the toxic tribalism could be, um, I'm in a denomination and I've been in this denomination and this denomination was built from people who sacrificed many times who died for the faith mm-hmm. to build this thing because they were fleeing, you know, religious persecution or they were ostracized because, you know, they were going into facets of society that their church deemed not um, good or whatever. And that church was birthed out of this. But over time, that that new tribe becomes tribal just the way that the old one did. So what they ran from, they become. And so then it works its way today where you've got all of these people in a denomination or a certain stream of church and they tend to only look within their own to find answers. They only look within their own. It's, what they, um, it's a term called epistemic polarization where you only look to your own tribe to inform and reiterate your point of view. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I actually like my tribe. I like my church tribe. And in fact, I look up to people within it. I look up to people within our church. I have mentors in our church. I have other people who are in what would be maybe our greater regional tribe that I look to as for advice and all this kind of stuff. But one of my favorite things is I've got a guy, I'm not Baptist, but there's this guy, he's a, he was a youth pastor, now he's a consultant and a coach and elder at, a, at his church. And their church is a Baptist church. And I probably would never attend their church for no other reason is I might fall asleep. <laughs> and, um, and if he's listening, I love you. Um, and he'll probably know who he is, but um, he, he is a stabilizing voice in my life. And he comes from a world that is different than mine and is actually able to help me as I sit in my world that is different than his. And we actually sharpen each other when we're at the table together. And how cool would it be is if we, in this time, I think one of the things that, that the devil hates so much is unity. And I think he hates it so much when people are at the table. Mm-hmm. Because when you share a meal together and what Jesus came to do was to be present and be with us and be Emmanuel, God with us. And that witness, that presence, the witness of God and how that forms into how we are with people, the devil hates that. And so what is he trying to do? He's trying to get us away from the table. And I would say that one of the things that in this season of the world, there has been a lot of division, but what I would say one of the things prophetically that God is trying to do is get us back to the table. Where what you just said a minute ago, it's where you can't dehumanize someone you're sharing a meal with, Mm -hmm. which is so significant about what Jesus did in the New Testament, is he would invite people who were hated, Zacchaeus, uh, tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes, and he would go straight to, let's share a table together. Mm-hmm. How bizarre is that? Because at the table, you're all on one level. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for us today? How, how can we take the lessons of this week and um, blend it into our world? 
into our churches and into our families and as we interact and then of course into politics what does it look like to share the table together yeah i wow that there's a lot there's a lot there even like there were a couple things that came to mind i think first we have um we've gotten sloppy with our verbiage i think culturally we use the word hate when really the more appropriate word would be disagree and I think because we don't know how to talk softly to each other, we use aggressive language to get the attention of each other. So I, I, I find myself even saying like, man, I, I really don't like, hey, I hate where this is going. And in, in reality, really what I mean is I, I disagree with that. And mm. I can disagree with someone and not hate them, right? I can disagree with a movement and not ostracize myself from mm. it. Um, I think the other thing that's unique is, is, as we're talking about tribalism, is tribes, as, they, as the borders of the tribe become stronger, keeping it surviving becomes more important. Mm -hmm. And so if, if, I, if I buy into a group of ideals or beliefs and then align myself with a tribe, which is a human desire to belong. Right. Yeah. And I find belonging there that that shapes belonging shapes identity and purpose and competency. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so therefore it's actually in my best interest at a psychological safety level to perpetuate and propagate those beliefs mm. because it means that I'm more likely to belong as I continue to go along. And so when someone comes and starts to chip away at the boundary of my belief and say, have you considered, I'd be interested to know, have you thought about, my natural instinct to continue my psychological safety is to defend beliefs that in reality, I probably should be questioning because they're stopping me from seeing this person who's asking me valid questions. Mm. And I think that is where our country is at now, is we have two groups of people that have bought into a set of beliefs at such a deep level that we've lost our, we have lost our humanity in our beliefs. Yes. And so I don't know who I am if I'm not perpetuating, propagating, and spreading the set of beliefs that I have and I hold dearly. Yes. And to question them would be to question me and that feels really scary. Yeah. And so then to, to what I was saying earlier, we start using aggressive verbiage because it severs the need for us to have discussion. If I hate you, why would we discuss? If I disagree with you, we can be in civil discourse. But if I hate you, we can't have civil discourse. We have to have arguments. And none of us want to argue with each other. So we lob some argumental grenades on Twitter or in someone's Instagram DMs. And then we don't have to have conversation. You get to be right about your beliefs. I get to keep being right about my beliefs. And we both get to be right about hating each other. Yeah. And all I'm doing is creating psychological safety, which is why I believe we keep calling for unity that we're incapable of getting to because we don't know who we are culturally anymore if we're not fighting. Hmm. That's great. I don't know if that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. Lot, lots there. It comes back to what we believe to be most true. That idea of, of epistemology is where you get your knowledge, right? It's kind of, that's a sum, summary of it. It's like my, my, so the idea of epistemic polarization, it's, it's you actually live on another like reality timetable. We're watching Star Trek Discovery, mm -hmm. great oh, show. Duh. Yeah, and there's incredible. multiple dimensions. Yeah. And I'm not trying to give anything away. It's wild. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe we got other dimensions. 
but there's actually there's not it's not even a we can agree to disagree because some people in theirs they 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 because their world is so ingrained in what it is they cannot actually fathom a world where anyone would exist outside of that reality and what what i think was so important about what paul said when he wrote to the church he said when i came look there's all sorts of clutter in the air right now but here's what i came knowing like knowing 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 above everything else christ and him crucified not to simplify it down and just kind of like all right everything else doesn't matter why can't we just get along not in that sort of reductionistic way but actually at the end of the day what where do we start from i don't actually get my 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 opinions and all of this kind of stuff from external like it begins with christ and him crucified and i live my life from that reality and i think if we can find where do we where are we starting from where are we agreeing on um i i think we could see so much more forward movement in the midst of actually having having disagreement but it's when we actually believe that the person on the other end is actually in some other hemisphere other like other dimension and not even rooted in an actual reality well then we can dehumanize them mm -hmm. because they're not actually a human well and the humbling they're thing Klingon. is <laughs> yeah. the, the humbling thing is someone thinks that of me mm -hmm. and i i think i, I think again our, our need for certainty our need for psychological safety our fear of not having enough. I mean, it's interesting how we apply scarcity even to truth. If, if I have this and hold this as the ultimate truth, how can your truth be true? And, mm -hmm. and obviously in the faith space where we're at, where we work in, in, in the faith space, we hold fundamental truths like Christ and Christ crucified. And yet we take a fundamental truth that so shapes and informs our lives, which I believe in dearly and hold dearly, and try to apply it to people who don't hold that faith or that belief. Mm -hmm. And it, interestingly enough, we preach Christ and Christ crucified, which was the ultimate sacrifice for the optimization of humanity. I'm going to make it okay for humans to be okay. Mm. And then go to a place in spaces where people don't hold that belief and convey guilt and shame instead of hey i'm seeing you and your humanity just like jesus saw me and mine yes and i'm not i'm not and, and obviously there's outworkings we could take that to that i'm not trying to imply and, and there's all, all over the place but i think what would happen if the people of faith reminded themselves that what jesus did was for the betterment of humanity not for the exclusivity of people who already believe yeah but jesus really is emmanuel he really did come for all of us and he really did sacrifice his life for humanity. So then, if I'm holding beliefs that place me above another human, am I really honoring Christ and Christ crucified? Hmm. Or have I gotten so addicted to psychological certainty and therefore safety that it's easier for me to hum dehumanize you as a person who holds beliefs yeah. instead of as a human with a name? Yeah. And really begin to engage with people at a human level like Jesus did. Well, there, there was that movie um, with Mark Wahlberg and um, who else was in it? It was that war movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, a few years old, but at the end of the movie. Oh, for the Navy SEALs? I don't remember. Okay. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a few years, yeah. but it was a great movie. Oh, Lone Survivor. Yeah, Lone Survivor. Yeah. 
and there's this story. there's this moment in the in the story where um, I won't give the whole thing, but they're at this place in 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 um, the Middle East, and they're in this village, and the fight has gone in there, and one of the guys he's either gonna like he's trying to find shelter or whatever, and this this guy he's a Muslim guy who he didn't bring this fight. I mean, it's essentially these guys brought it to their village mm-hmm. and he brings him in and he takes care of him and he protects him and, and he restores him because in that moment, the tribes, the tribal walls were not greater than the humanity. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, he's like, you're a human and so am I. Mm-hmm. Let me bring you in. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that was, I remember tearing up and I don't tear up in movies, mm-hmm. but it was such a powerful thing. Like that, that was the spirit of what Jesus came to perpetuate all over the world because it's not just like how do we sometimes it's our tribe and we want to put it on others but what happens actually when our tribe is good or whatever but we're in it and then someone else comes into it Mm -hmm. and we're thinking well to fit in this tribe here's how you got to look act dress believe think here's what you need to share on facebook and all of this kind of stuff and and there's a place for standards and there's a place for discussion but then it, it, it people come in and they say here's why i don't fit in this tribe because when I came in, I didn't experience any of that. What I experienced was every area that I do not match up, every area that I'm different, every area that I'm messed up, every area that I have not arrived in and not learned enough in, that's toxic tribalism. Yeah. To, I don't know how much time we have left, but the, the idea of where I belong, I find identity, purpose, competency, and that those are very basic, broad psychological terms. But... I, I have been asking myself for a while and I'm humbled by the thought that why is it that there's a lot of people that find, way, find it way easier to belong somewhere else other than the place where what we preach is Jesus died for you to belong. Mm. And that was a really rambling, fumbling way to say that. But in essence, we should have the church should have the corner on belonging. Mm. And why do we have so many people that struggle to belong? What, what is it that we're doing that causes people? And again, I'm not negating standards. I'm not negating that we hold biblical truths and things like that, but just simply people walking through the doors of our churches, people encountering us as believers on the street, people encountering people of faith. Why is it that we don't corner the market on belonging? Yeah. Because that is ultimately what we preach. That is the first thing we say is you belong before you behave. Well, yeah, belonging. And, and it's, what's funny is, as you were saying that, I was thinking of, of Hayden and Jude, right? Um, we have three kids. Lennon's not old enough to be um, any added value to the world just yet. Um, she's getting there. But I remember recently we were gone for a couple days. And so they, we had the kids with um, family members and whatnot. And so we came home. And um, Hayden and Jude, uh, Hayden's five and a half, and Jude is two and a half. And so they missed us. They see us. They're excited. We, we get into the house, though. Everyone leaves. Now we're settled. And for the next four hours until bedtime, they were wreaking havoc. They were going crazy. They were what we might call disobeying the rules, misbehaving, hitting each other, throwing things, making a mess, yelling, all of this kind of stuff. But I remember as we're putting Hayden down and putting Jude down and Hayden was so sad and she's like, I just missed you guys so much. And it clicked is the behavior was actually, I might 
this might be a stretch, but it was actually from a place of having missed their belonging. Mm -hmm. Because their belonging right now is, is me and Noel. Mm -hmm. It's their family. Mm -hmm. And when family is good, they're good. Mm -hmm. And when they are in a place of rootedness and belonging, behavior follows. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because the next day when they woke up to us, after for a few days having not woken up to us, their behavior followed their understanding that I belong. Mm -hmm. I've got what I need here. And should it not be the same for the church? That when people come in and when people from all political persuasions, when people come into the lobby that is our newsfeed, uh, on Facebook and on Instagram and on our stories. Man, there's a place to speak, but I hope that what speaks the loudest, and I'm looking in at me now, I hope what speaks loud is that you can belong when you're in my presence. Mm -hmm. Because when you do, then, then we're at the table together and we can have conversation. We can have discussion. We can even disagree because we're sharing that mm -hmm. meal together. And so I, I think belonging, you just said it. You don't have to behave before you belong. You belong. When you belong, I'm willing, when I belong somewhere, I'm willing to listen to someone who tells me I need to behave. Mm -hmm. But when I got someone telling me that I need to behave, they've not invested anything into me. I've done this before. I see a student on a Wednesday night who's, who's being a dork and making noise or doing a thing or whatever. I come up to them and I'm hot-headed. I see them across the room, service ends, and I'm walking up to them. And I'm about to, you know, proverbially, I'll give them a slap in the face like, like, yo, you were a distraction tonight. You're so rude, whatever. And I'm, I'm not volatile. Don't, don't get me wrong. But it's funny because I did that once. And as I walked away, I stopped myself in my tracks. And this is months ago before the pandemic. I turned around and I was like, hey, can I talk to you one more second? I'm so sorry. I, I don't even know you. And, and I just, I had to eat my words. And I'm sure they walked away thinking like, bro, who is this guy? What in the heck just happened? But it's funny because I, they didn't belong yet. And so I'm not expecting them to behave when they don't know who, uh, who they are, where they belong. Mm -hmm. And I got it wrong. And I think we get this wrong. I think we need to get loud about you belong because Jesus made me belong before I deserved it. So I'm going to make you belong before you deserve it. Yeah. Last thing I'll say on it. I, I think, yes, 110%, we need to get loud about belonging. But I, I think we need to look at the feedback of our lives. Am I... Am I a person of faith that would say, yeah, Jesus died, you know, looking at the current political climate and saying, hey, can't we just have unity? But then if, if every person who holds a differing belief from me in my world, I don't have unity with them, I'm not really for unity. Mm -hmm. I'm here. I'm for propagating my belief. And I, I think if we got to look at the feedback in our life, if I don't have people around me that believe differently than me, I'm not for humanity. I'm for my belief. Mm-hmm. If I don't have people around me that believe differently than me, that I'm constantly asking, hey, can we talk about that again? I don't, I don't get it. I don't see it. I, I don't understand. If I'm not having civil discourse, I'm not about unity. I'm about furthering my belief. Yeah. It, like humanity is worth getting uncomfortable for. Humanity is willing, is worth admitting I was wrong for. Humanity is worth wrestling with my own beliefs for. And I'm not saying that, that I've been around people that believe differently than me and every time I change my belief. But I want to get it right on the sake of humanity enough that I'm going to keep having those conversations. Yeah. I would much rather continue to be, I'm going to use this loosely, disappointed that I keep coming to the same conclusion because it keeps me out of deep relationship with someone 
than being so right with my friends about how we're all right and the world's all wrong mm -hmm. and I didn't make the world a better place. My favorite times are when I sit across from someone who is theologically a cessationist, meaning they, they believe the gifts and the, you know, the, the work of the Holy Spirit, on the, not the whole work, but like in terms of um, baptism, the Holy Spirit and healing and miracles and, and prophecy. I believe that God's still working in that way today. Mm -hmm. and, and I believe that he's doing that in the church. And some of my close friends, I can sit across the table at Sweet Notes when they reopen for an acai bowl mm. and knowing that they don't see eye to eye, we can actually talk about it, but we can also talk about sports and life and marriage and kids and realize this makes us sharper with one another. As yep. iron sharpens iron. And maybe it's two different irons that are two different colors and two different shapes. Mm -hmm. And yet we're sharpening each other. Yeah. And I hope that that's what we can do. Yep. I hope that in this season, in, in, in our families, in sports, and sports is probably the most important as, <laughs> as we come into next year and the Seahawks move their way back into prominence and, and win the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. But, um, but, <laughs> but as we come into this, man, this next season, how important will it be? that we more than just talk about it, that we say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to go and actually be about this. Yep. And we're going to sit at the table with people. And we're not going to polarize people. We're going to listen. We're going to humanize. And I, I believe that the best is yet to come in spite of all of this mess. And, and uh, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe Jesus is coming back next week. Hmm. And if that's the case, Seahawks, you let us down. You're supposed to go out on top. If that's the case, I have a lot of eating to do. Between now and then? Yeah. I, I feel like Jesus should, if it's, if, and we could get into some eschatology here in a sec if you want, but if Jesus were to like give us a week's notice, like, yo, I'm coming back. And so I know you're doing a whole 30 right now. It's going to be a waste of your time. Yep. So you might as well go out and, and eat. A but lot. you can't because it's all the restaurants are closed. So <laughs> you can take it home. That's true. Chipotle chips, man. You get a big bag. Those last a long time. Yeah, I've got some in our conference room right now. I'm not touching them. So, Super Bowl pick, last last word, Super Bowl pick this year. Um, man, I, I, I'm going for the underdog. I think the Bills look really nice. Ooh. I think the Bills look really good. I think it's going to be Bills Chief for the conference championship. I do. I, I, th I, think, I think Green Bay is going to take it. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron, you can't. It's hard to bet against Aaron Rodgers. He's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, and L.A. just is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Minus Aaron Donald. Yeah, minus Aaron Donald, but they, which, which is such a bummer. Let's not rehash that. So, so I'm taking the Chiefs. Here we go. God bless you guys. I, I don't know how we're going to end this thing, but we are ending it right now. Episode one of 2021. If you haven't already, would you subscribe, rate, and review? And uh, give us a little share. We're a brand new feed. So we moved this over to its autonomous feed. And so if you could share this with someone and encourage them to listen in, uh, we would love to continue this journey with you. We love you. Happy 2021. We'll see you later.